When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am Mike Cadlick, joined, as always, by Alex Barth from 985 The Sports Up. Uh, we are here. We're going to break down the Patriots' dominant 26-3 win over the Colts on Sunday. Um, so dominant of a win, Alex, that uh, since we were on here on Sunday night's postgame show, uh, Jim Irsay, the Colts brass, uh, mostly just Jim Irsay, but fired Coach Frank Reich. Uh, he's no yeah. longer with the team. And uh, there was some speculation, thoughts uh, from, I know I saw Zach Kiefer from The Athletics say that maybe a guy, Bubba Ventrone, who was uh, was here in the past, or a John Fox, for example, who was a head coach, or a Gus Bradley maybe fill in, but no, the Colts go and they hire Jeff Saturday from the ESPN booth. Uh, Jeff Saturday was a longtime center in Indy. Uh, apparently according to Chris Ballard, their GM, they had tried to hire him uh, into the front office and things from the past, but uh, they decided to make Jeff Saturday their interim head coach. So uh, the, the Patriots have sort of thrown Indy for a complete loop after their, their win against them on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's really a mess over there. I mean, it's it, it's something else. And it's not just, obviously, the Patriots game. I mean, this has clearly been building. But this is a team that was in first place in the division a month ago, albeit a not overly competitive division. They beat the Chiefs earlier this year. Right. So things have gone hill downhill very quickly in India. And I think what you can attribute it to maybe more than anything else. And I, I have two Patriots related points on this news going year to year at quarterback does not work. Doesn't no. work. I know there's some people around here who have said, well, if Mac Jones, isn't going to work, you know, Bill's last couple of years, just kind of bring in veteran quarterbacks and string them together. So, you know, you have somebody no quarterbacking is uh, uh, about routine and rhythm as much as it is anything else. And, being able to build that routine, being in the same system for, for multiple years, being around the same coaches for multiple years, which is obviously something Mac Jones doesn't have right now. Um, those are, those are valuable points. Yes. A Tom Brady last dance would be outstanding. I see in the chat there. Uh, but that's, that's a little bit of a different scenario, right? He's been here. He has a routine here. He has right. a rhythm here. So I don't, you know, Frank Reich never really got a fair shot in Indy with the way they managed the quarterback situation. They should have either traded up to take a guy or at least tried to invest somewhat in the draft. Sam Ellinger was a sixth round pick. That's just not going to cut it. My other right. Patriots related take, and I saw people bringing this up in the chat, bringing in Frank Reich as, as an offensive consultant, whatever. I, you know, I don't know that he's going to rush back into coaching. Um, oops, sorry about that. It's, working on the cardboard desk right now. Um, You're good. You're straight. I, I don't know that he he's going to come back into coaching right away for like a rest of the year advisor thing. I wouldn't hate it. I, I, I don't think it would make the difference. Some people would think it would make. And in terms of the long term, yes, this team needs a true experienced offensive coordinator. They do. Matt Patricia's not cutting it. I would like to think they can do better than Frank Reich. I really would. Uh, you know, who exactly is that? Is it, Josh McDaniels, if he gets let go, is it Bill O'Brien? It's Josh. I think, That's what like, I think. Ideally, I think yeah. McDaniels. yeah. I, I, I wouldn't go hire Frank Reich to like a long-term offensive coordinator contract right now. First of all, I don't think they will. They're going to see this out to the end of the year with Patricia. That's just how Bill does things. Yeah. But even beyond that, you don't know who's going to be available, right? So I, I wouldn't just rush in and be like, an offensive coach is available. Quick, go grab him, you know, at this point, you're in the hole you're in. Play out these final eight weeks, see how it goes. And I have a pretty good feeling Frank Reich will still be there when we get to February. 
Uh, and maybe there'll be better options that, that you would have missed if you ran into hiring uh, uh, Frank Reich. So that's my Patriots related take on it. But boy, what a what an absolute mess in Indianapolis. And I don't think they're done. Uh, Chris Ballard, I, I can't imagine, feels safe about his job. If he's Not the one behind these hires, he shouldn't feel safe about his job. I think it's a Jim Ursay thing. I think but, it uh, feels more so like it's top down from Ursay from everything. I, I don't read. know if uh, Joey, um, what's his last name? The guy who does the the impressions. He used to work for Barstool. He doesn't anymore. Oh, Joey Molinero. Molinero did a great yeah. bit. I don't know if you saw that today with Ursay and Ballard. Uh, check that out. But what a mess. What a freaking mess. It's what they deserve to. Upper upper top of the upper quartile upper of that quartile whatever get the hell out of here jim since 2000 if we're only grading teams since 2000 and that's like the be all end all of how we assess the state of a franchise the patriots are still in the best position of any team in the league as we sit here right now get the hell out of here with that yeah again i mean i agree right i don't I agree on your sentiment on Reich, too. I don't think anyone's yeah. going to be blowing doors down to hire a guy like Frank Reich a, a long-term anyway right away. Um, you've seen the Patriots do that a lot of times with guys who are still being high, still being paid from other places, so you can right. bring them in sort of sort of on the low. And uh, So, again, maybe if it's some sort of offensive consultant through the end of the year type thing, maybe, but I don't see it happening. Um Again, like you said, they're probably going to ride this out because they are. They're five and four. They're over five hundred for the first time this season. Uh, the AFC playoff picture, as it currently stands, is not as good as we thought it would be. It's mostly filled with AFC East teams. The Patriots have a lot of AFC East teams still coming up on their schedule, so they're right in the in the thick of it here. And as bad as it may be, it might be worse if you completely throw a curveball into the offensive. Uh, the offensive thing, but or the right. offensive operation, right? But let's get into that now. Um, let's talk about the offense and kind of what they did against. It's a tough game, like you, like we had mentioned to to break down, just because of how bad and how much of a dumpster fire the Colts were on Sunday and have been really over the last couple of weeks. But uh, let's sort of get into the offense uh, and what they did on Sunday. Um, they're struggling to consistently put up points week in and week out. They've been lucky to have played some of the teams they've played the last couple weeks. Like, I mean, granted, the Jets played well against Buffalo, but they had their number in that game, and then this Colts team was just a disaster. But Mac yeah. goes twenty of Mac goes twenty of thirty, uh, one hundred fifty-seven yards and a touchdown. Uh, didn't turn the ball over for the first time in I think like seven games. Which, I mean, I guess that's that's something to hang your hat on. But he's still under way too much pressure. Uh, there's way too many moving pieces up front, and they just can't find a rhythm, rhythm at all. And I don't entirely blame it on him, but uh, they need help. And again, it's like the Colts. The Colts were a good team to kind of be able to play before you buy. Yeah, I mean, I, and look, as much as we just dumped on the Colts, I still think their defense has some redeeming qualities. The the big check that sure. I use that I think we've kind of adopted on the show. Do they have a playmaker at all three levels? When it comes to the Colts, yes, they certainly do. And DeForest Buckner, Shaquille Leonard, and then obviously Stephon Gilmore. So um, that being said, that offensive performance is just not going to cut it, even against a defense like that. They have those three playmakers going beyond that. You know, they're sec they don't have much else in the secondary. Their defensive line's pretty good all the way across. Um, yeah. Beyond that, like Bobby Okariki is a okay player at the second level next to Shaquille Leonard, but he's not anybody you're going to game planned around or anything like that. He's not a guy that's going to be a game breaker. I, I know Kenny Moore's had a couple good years here. He's really struggled though in 2022. And you need to show more against the defense like that. You just do. And, and we've talked ad nauseum about why the Patriots offense is anemic as it is from the play calling to the lack of setup to the offensive line. To me, it all comes back to the offensive line. I think this yeah. game was a great example of that, but um, they're still just sort of spinning their wheels. And like you said, a great game to play heading to the bye, because I think that at least for the offense, that game pointed out a ton of their obvious weaknesses. Now the question is, can they fix them? And I don't know mm -hmm. that there are easy answers to a lot of those questions. Some of them there are. You can just call more setup plays, period. End of story. They should be doing that. The offensive line is a little bit trickier. Right, getting David Andrews back will help. Cole Strange is not the same player when he does not have David Andrews helping him out. That has become blatantly clear. 
But the problem now is have things in his game been exposed that even when David Andrews comes back, teams will pick on him. You know, send if if I'm another team, I'm sending three rushers into that gap, into that A gap, right? Because right. Andrews isn't going to be able to help Strange and take care of his own guy. And then you have a third player in there. You're going to force them to move the line around, keep guys in. Uh, at right tackle, Yadni could just held his own on Sunday, which is good, but for it to be week nine and we're taking a victory lap on the right tackle holding his own is not where uh, a productive offense is. So they, that that to me is the big one. They have to get the offensive line figured out because all of the other issues, whether it's Mac Jones, whether it's the wide receivers, uh, you know, the running game kind of stagnating a little bit here, whatever it is, it all comes back to the offensive line. Whether you think Mac Jones is the guy or not, you're in terms of what you've seen this season, if you're just basing that evaluation off the season, if you think he's the guy, you don't think he's the guy, you're wrong. We haven't seen enough because he's constantly under pressure. So that's not to excuse him. That's not to say, oh, the offensive line sucks. Go give him a five-year, $200 million extension. But fixing the offensive line problem will start to fix a lot of the other problems. And then we'll have a much better idea of what the true talent level on this offense is. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events bet NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Right, I agree, and we we've talked too like about the the internal crop the internal clock situation um, with him, and yeah. just as far as how bad it, it, as your offensive line gets worse, you're sped up and your reads get sped up, and you don't make them as clear clear, and you don't have enough time, right? And so, hopefully, a bye week with you know, these guys getting healthy, right? You get David Andrews healthy, you get Cole Strange, uh, some confidence back perhaps when, as you use these two weeks to scheme up the Jets and sort of get some rest and get healthy, right? But then can can a week off reset that internal clock? It's hard to say. Um, but if you're not, you know, if you're not getting manhandled and pressured for 14 straight days and instead you're practicing and kind of getting used to, okay, let's get a rhythm down and let's get these guys back up to speed. Um, it should and could help you out a little bit, but if they go back out there against the Jets in two weeks and the same things are happening along the offensive line, then Mac's not going to get any better. He's going to continue to regress, and it's not necessarily going to be all his fault. There are some plays out there. I saw something today uh, just to play, and I kind of want to give some kudos to Hunter Henry for having a pretty decent day, but he also made a really bad uh he didn't look great on one of these other plays and I'll just get into it a little bit, but uh, it was a play, like I said, that Dan Orlovsky uh, broke down. Right. And it's a third and four and they run a bunch on the right, uh, a snag concept. Hunter, uh, Kendrick Bourne gets, gets the sticks. Hunter Henry runs like a sail route. You call it where you're, you're 10, 15 yards. You break to the sideline. Opposite side is Tyquan Thornton one-on-one with Stefan Gilmore. And this is where I see Mac Jones just, not having his head on his shoulders and not making the right read. And I think it just, it's, it's on him, but it kind of has to do with everything around him because he looks to Taekwon first read when he's manned up on Stefan Gilmore. And it's like, I don't know why you're going there on third and four. You should be looking at your snag concept, but then Hunter Henry runs an awful, awful sale route. He's not even moving. He doesn't do any clear out. And so it's like if he can't trust Hunter Henry to even run a right route to get your clear out to Bourne on the sticks on the inside, you're gonna want to just go to the one on one instead. So it's all it all it's not only Mac Jones; it's kind of everybody here, and it's they need to get on the same page and they need to do it soon because they are five and four and they are right in the playoff hunt. But there's just so many pieces that need to work together, and the fact that you're in week nine and they're not doing it at all yet is it's definitely very concerning. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong there. One interesting note on Henry, though, and you talk about the kind of routes that he's running. Yeah. That play up the seam, him out of the slot, going up the seam was like their bread and butter last year. 
And, yeah. you know, I, I even I talked to, to Scott Zolak about this today, and, and he said, like, that's something they need to run more. They're clearly comfortable with it. If you look at the numbers, Hunter Henry's actually lining up in the uh, inline significantly more than he was last year. His inline percentage has gone from 44% to 62%. All of those snaps have come from him running in the slot. And running routes out of the slot are is very different than running them in line, right? right? You you have your hand in the ground. You're you're going to get chipped pretty much one way or the other by the defensive end as he's coming around, right? So that's something where, like, you mentioned Hunter Henry is a guy who they, they need to get more involved and maybe he looks disengaged. That's a great way to get him going and juice him up. Put him in the slot. Stop putting him in line. And this is, again, where that offensive line thing comes in. It compounds. Why is Hunter Henry lining up in line more? Because they can't block with five guys right. and they need him exactly. to chip edge rushers. So again, it, it's, it's a lit, it's a little example. You're using one play there, but we're nine weeks into this thing now where we've seen these sorts of things happen enough where we can point to that one play, but it's, it's an example of a bigger issue. Correct. And like you yeah. said, clearly they all, again, they all compound on each other. So right. it's hard to blame just one person. It's a it's team not game, all- man. Right. That's what, why here, that's here's the football. ironic thing. Sorry to cut you off, but here's the ironic oh, thing. What makes football the best sport is what's killing the Patriots right now. Maybe the reason more than anything else that I love that I love football and I love watching the game and breaking down the game is in no other sport can one broken cog screw you up, right? It to the extent it can in football. In right. basketball, if you have four great players on the floor, four all-stars, and one guy blows, you're still probably a title contender. Uh, in, in hockey, it's the same thing. You can kind of hide uh, a, a lesser player in the lineup. Obviously, baseball is a very individual sport. Right. You can have 10 great players on the field in football. If there's one guy, the defense, or the other side of the ball, it's true on both sides, really. If there's one side, the other one guy, the other side knows they can pick on constantly. They're going to exploit that. You know, right. if you have a bad, uh, you know, if you have a bad right tackle, for instance, like the Patriots, other teams will take advantage of that, and it doesn't matter what the rest of your talent is. They're going to significantly hinder you. Uh, we've seen teams with with great defensive lines and great linebackers, but the corners are lacking. And personnel wise, it looks like they have more good defensive players than they don't. But that one corner man keeps getting beat. It's, it's killing the Patriots right now because, like you said, they're just not all on the same page. I think there's a lot of right. talent out there, but there's enough individual issues that defenses are exploiting it. Um, and, and we can get to the Shaq Leonard comments, uh, by the way, or the Shaq mm-hmm. Leonard stuff by the way, about him calling out plays. It, it, this goes beyond the players. There's enough issues with the offense where the defense right. has seen enough that they know they have things they can exploit on a regular basis. That's what that's what offense is. You want to be able to do – you either need to be able to do a couple of things – so incredibly well that even if the other team knows it's coming, they can't stop it or enough things well enough that the defense doesn't know what to look for. The right. Patriots were always kind of the, the first one. And that's what teams with elite quarterbacks usually are. They do enough things at such a high level uh, that it doesn't really matter. Tom Brady's not here anymore and they need to operate the way most teams operate, which is you do ju- you do a lot of things well and just well enough that the defense being caught off guard gives you that advantage. And they just don't have that right now. Right. Um, do you want to get into those Shaq Leonard comments as well today? Um, like you just said, just the fact that. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, I, I think it's, it, it was interesting. Why you set it up and then I'll give my thoughts. Go yeah, ahead. no, I'll it's talk. just the um, Shaq Leonard had said that, or did he, did he, ma- did he make a comment? No, so, or did, did Mark so just some- ask? Offensive players after the game, I believe it was Mark who originally okay. reported it, um, said that Shaq Leonard was on the other side calling out some of their plays before they ran them. Uh, Shaq Leonard, the all-pro linebacker for the Colts. And then today, formerly Bill was Darius asked about Leonard. it. Formerly Darius Leonard, right. Uh, and then today, Mark asked Bill about it, and Bill spoke today at around noon. And Bill said that C.J. Mosley did the same thing with the Jets two right. weeks ago. And whether that means somebody on the offense is tipping plays, it could be Mac, it could be alignment, it could be somebody else, right? We saw, um, uh, who was it? They had a wide receiver a couple years ago. Oh, it's Nikhil. Nikhil had a bad issue yeah. with tipping screens. Like, it's not just the quarterback. I saw people rushing to play Mac. They're, they blame Mac. There's a famous story with the, the Ravens, uh, Jonathan Ogden tipping plays for them at one point based on how he was lining up. Um, so maybe it's that. Darius Leonard is just a really, or Shaq Leonard is just a really smart football player. Maybe it's credit to him. 
maybe it's that the Patriots don't run a lot of different plays and he just knows off certain looks. I saw Taylor Kyles had a really good, made a really good point that there's a certain motion they run with John U. Smith that when they run that motion, a significant, significant percentage of the time, they there's a certain rushing look they run off of that. And that goes yeah. back into the setup plays versus the shot plays. So whatever it is, I mean, that that's something they need to get figured out on the bye week because if, if the other team knows what you're running, they're not, they're not good enough to make it work anyway. There was a time that was true when Brady was here where the other team could know the play call, and I don't think it would have mattered much. Uh, right. That's obviously not the case anymore. Yeah, I mean, again, with tipping plays, right, it's – you would think that you would think, and I don't know a hundred percent what it is because like you said, guys like guys like Shaq Leonard, guys like CJ Mosley are so such elite linebackers and they do get their noses into the film room all day and all night. And so they, they can kind of see some tendencies that it's, it may be like, they're not really tipping a play, but they kind of are and they don't even know it. But if, if we're here in the middle of 2022 and it's the fact that, we're running an offense with Patricia and judge and they're so, so inept at running an NFL offense that they have guys lining up in different splits or their stances are so clearly so much forward or their feet are so much back or the right. distance where the running back is in the gun is so off and it's all the time. And they're not catching that in the film room. That's a real problem. And I wonder if it is because you do still have Bill Belichick in that room, kind of being an overarching figurehead, you would think, to give them, you know, the tips and tricks. And he's been in the league for so long and he knows not to tip plays. But then today, I'll give gonna give Mark Mark Daniels from Mass Live is who kind of was on top yeah. of the story today. Um, but Belichick just straight up coming in and be like, yeah, they they knew what we were running two weeks in a row is it's not a good it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. No. Um, Although I, I will say how casually he answered that question. He almost answered it with a laugh. Yeah. Sort of makes me confident that like they figured it out and they fixed it. Right. Or they yeah. think they fixed it. I, yeah. I don't think he would have been as cheery about an right. issue as significant as that. If it was still a pending issue, if that makes sense. No, I a hundred percent. I agree. Again, he's, he's usually not, not quick to, to act or act on and answer a question like right. that. So um yeah, that's that's a good thought and point there too. Um, but I guess we can get to some good on the offense. The one the one consistent piece on this offense has just been Ramondre Stevenson. Um he had 15 carries for 60 yards. He also had three catches for only 10, but he had the nice touchdown catch. Um he continues to just pace this offense week in and week out. Um I mean 60 yards on the ground and 10 in the air isn't a great stat line per se, but He's just so important to this team. And like you you had mentioned on Sunday, if they didn't have him on Sunday, this game might have also been a lot different from an offensive perspective. Yeah. And it, so he had three catches, but he was targeted seven times. Right. So he was, I mean, he he's the offense right now. We mm -hmm. were debating, remember, the the Mac Jones versus, uh, is it the Mac Jones offense? Is it the Bailey Zappi offense? No, it's the Ramondre Stevenson offense. And right. Yeah, we, we, we talked about this, and I wrote about this today on 985thesportsup.com. I did, you know, midseason grades for the offense, and we'll get into those on this show uh, next week um, mm -hmm. or Thursday. I think we're going to do it Thursday. Um, it's uh, – they need secondary options offensively. It, yep. It's Ramondre, and when it's not Ramondre, it's Jacoby Myers, and that's it. And look, you're going to have guys that get the ball more than others, certainly. I mean, obviously, you're going to target your best players, but – there's nobody else right now. There is nobody else. So right. Ramondre continues to look great, but I'm going to continue to say they, as good as he looks, and it's not a knock on him, they need more answers than just Ramondre Stevenson, and the offense isn't going right. to go anywhere. Well, that's the thing that bothers me too. And again, like you had just mentioned, we will, on Thursday, uh, we're going to do a sort of self-scout slash uh, yeah. state of the team at the bye week type, type show to kind of evaluate where we are and where they can go moving forward. But Alex wrote about it. Like you said today with his grades, I wrote about it today as well. Um, just they have playmakers on this offense. Like, yeah, it's, it's, they need to get them schemed up to do it. And I, we just said it, but they need to be on the same page because tight ends like Hunter Henry and John Smith aren't easy to find in the NFL. And a third receiver in Kendrick Bourne is not easy to find in the NFL, but they're not doing anything to help utilize these guys' best, best strengths. And it's so 
it it starts from the inside out with the offensive line and everything we just said for the last 15 right. minutes. But like again, they're the playmakers are there. The secondary playmakers outside of Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers are there. They just need to be able to scheme them up. Um, so again, we'll get into that more on Thursday's show. But uh, anything else on the offense before we be hop into the defense here? Um, so I actually my uh, shout out to my brother who wanted to ask this on the show on Sunday and didn't get around to it. He wanted to know why Tyquan Thornton hasn't gotten involved more, and. I, I think a lot of it does go to, like we've talked, I mean, he's a deep threat. To get him the ball, you need time in the pocket. If time in the pocket, the offensive line has to be able to block. The offensive line can't block right now. Right. But he hasn't had a design carry since that game no. in Cleveland, that that first big game. We haven't really seen them use him on, on too many short patterns, uh, run-after-the-catch situations. If, if the offensive line is not going to block better, and I kind of talked about this before, right, do they have the answer in-house or not to fix that in terms of personnel? They might, they might not. One thing they can do is incorporate concepts that right. throw off the pat the timing of the pass rush. It was a big thing we used to talk about all the time with Brady. One of the biggest Tom Brady uh, cliches was he is at times his own best offensive lineman, his own best pass protector because of how fast he would get the ball out of his hands. Yep. Can't say that about Mac right now. And I know people think he's holding the ball a lot and he is, but a lot of these plays require the quarterback to hold the ball they're not giving him a lot of plays that are designed quick release plays. So things like that, uh, running draw plays, running play action, end around screens, those sorts of concepts. When you're a pass rusher, if the other team starts running draws and running them successfully, you're going to stop pinning your ears back because all of a sudden you've got to be aware of that. You can't get all the way up the field and then have the run, the a run just beat you. Right. So if they they should incorporate some more of those concepts into the offense here because it will help out the offensive line. It will help out Mac, and yeah. I think Tyquan Thornton could be a big part of that again with ends around end around screens. Give him some quick slants. Even you can build him into RPOs. Right, right. let him kind of get going with the ball in his hands in the open field. Um, that that would be, and we can talk more about this on Thursday. But that's something where there was so little of that in, in, yeah. in that game against to- the Colts. They used to do those types of things with Nikhil Harry. They would give Nikhil Harry yeah. end arounds, and they yeah. would scheme him up on on single side, um, single side wide receiver screens. And it's like yeah. this guy has freaking rocks in his cleats. Like, why why are we doing this with Nikhil Harry? And now they won't do it with Taekwon. It's kind of startling. I thought the Colts gate specifically a team where I talked about it before. The defensive line was the problem. If you could beat the defensive line, yes, right. Shaq Leonard can play, Stephon Gilmore can play, but you'd find ways to move the ball. I thought the Colts game was a great way, great opportunity to run some of those concepts. And we just, we didn't see a ton. There were, there were some, but not, not nearly enough. Right. Um, so yeah, again, we'll, we'll talk about the, the incorporation of how like a guy like Tyquan Thornton, for example, we'll, we can dive more into that on Thursday, but yeah, like you yep. said, I mean, you have these guys just get them the ball, but um again, hopefully that's, that's what they go into this by. We can do uh, before we get into the defense though, let's talk about our partners at LinkedIn. Uh, because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to make sure you want to be 100% certain rather that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media and we can't recommend it enough. It's super easy to post your job and then just add the listing and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. As we inch closer to December, now's the perfect time to add the right team member and end your 2022 strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions, as always, apply. All right, the defense, should, Alex. Yeah, uh, should have saved the Jeff Saturday story for that read. Should have worked it. In yeah, I know you're right. Yeah, Jeff, Sa- Jeff Saturday. Yeah, rumor has it that uh, Jim Irsay didn't actually call Jeff Saturday. He found his job on LinkedIn at LinkedIn.com/slash beat. That's that's go. just a rumor going around. So, uh, post your job there. Um, again, that's our friends at LinkedIn. But let's talk about the defense, Alex, because the defense was uh, awesome on yeah. on uh, on Sunday. I mean, they. They held the Colts to just 121 total yards. They recorded nine sacks. Um, where am I here? Sorry. 
uh, wanted to put that up on the lower third because they were awesome. Like I said, they 121 yards, uh, nine sacks, pick six from John Jones. Um, I started Sunday's post game show, I guess not belittling, but kind of pushing the defense to the side because I was so concerned about the offense that I don't think we really, and I know it's Sam Ellinger and I know they were expected to do it, but they did it and they did it tenfold. They, they were outstanding. Um, Ellinger threw for just 103 yards. Again, the interception, um, I think this defense is going to be the reason they either make or don't make the postseason going coming down the stretch. Because if they play like this and the offense is still as bad as they've been, they can still win games and they showed it on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, so here, here's where I'll kind of throw the qualifiers out. Yeah. Sam Ellinger, he's not an NFL quarterback. I, I don't know what the right. Colts are doing, trying to build him up. Uh, it looks to me right now, like it's a full on tank. They're trying to get that first overall pick, which with three wins and a tie, I don't think they're going to get there, but that's yeah another point. Which is too bad for guys like Steph Gilmore, who is yeah. there on sort of a like, just they bring in a guy like Matt Ryan, and you can they have a talented roster, man. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, they, I it's, a, it's a Mickey like, Mouse, it's a Mickey Mouse organization. It always has yeah, been, but they they hung the freaking finalist banner. Um, that being said, <laughs> Sam Ellinger, and I talked about this on Thursday. Is a if, if he has one redeeming trait, it's that he's not easy to tackle. I had right. one broken tackle for him in that game, and it was the one where he kind of jumped around Miles Bryant, um, yeah, who is at a significant mismatch there. So yeah. they did that, and that calls offensive line. I know they haven't played well this year, but they've got good players, man. That line's no joke. We all know Quentin Nelson can do. Um, uh, I almost said Charlie Kelly, uh, Dennis Kel- uh, Ryan or no, Kelly, Ryan and Kelly, Dennis, Ryan Kelly's the center, right. Sorry. Yeah, um, they they've got guys who can block. So, ton of credit to the to the front seven for the job they did. They didn't let Sam Ellinger break runs. They didn't give him second chances, and they were able to pressure that line and get to the quarterback. So that's probably where the qualifiers end, uh, or, or the non qualifiers end. But yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give them credit for that. And and to be able to kind of sit on that game going into the bye has to feel pretty good. Definitely. Um, I mentioned it three or four times, I think, because I thought it was quite the interesting stat. But uh, Matthew Judon and Josh Uche, the first Patriots teammates uh, to each record three sacks in a game since Andre Tippett and Don Blackman in 1985. Uh, they were both dominant, so let's kind of give them give them their flowers individually because Matthew Judon now leads the NFL in sacks with 11 and a half on the season. Um, and on Sunday, he had six tackles. He had three sacks, three tackles for loss, and four hits on the quarterback. Um He's my pick for defensive player of the year right now because he continues to be like immensely valuable on in, in these games. Uh, I know a guy like Micah Parsons in Dallas is is a guy who is also the best player on the arguably the best defense in football, but Judon's value and his talent is unmatched right now, uh, especially in the AFC. And we'll talk about it as far as the bye week goes and how how frankly how poorly he played after the bye last week after having a dominant first half of the season, but. Uh, if he can keep up this pace, which he had mentioned that he worked on in the offseason and currently through this first half of the season to stay in shape and make sure he can play at this level, uh, he's going to be considered for defensive player of the year and as one of the best players on the defensive line or le- one of the best linebacks in football. Yeah, I, he has he the league leading sacks by three right now. He has yeah. 11 and a half and... Who is it at eight? There's three guys tied. Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith. Smith uh, Bosa. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I can't. I can't remember who the third one is. Uh, it might be Miles Garrett. But yeah, he's been he's been absolutely outstanding. But like you said, here comes the question, right? And I think this question really applies to the whole team, not Matthew Judon. I think it's going to be the biggest question of the next two weeks. The bye week became a thing last year. Mm-hmm. It was like a thing that, you know, as, as they, they had that backslide and they lost five of six, the bye week was entangled in that. What happened at the bye? And maybe it was a coincidence that that they fell off there. And maybe, you know, maybe they just couldn't finish the season strong. And had the bye not been there, they still would have lost that like that at right. the end. But they've, uh, it, it for Judon specifically, it's going to be a big deal. And he talked this year about how he wants to be in better, he, he worked on being in better shape to finish the season. The Patriots have done their part. His usage rate this year compared to this time last year is yeah. down about 10%, which is great. You know, they've gotten by with him playing less snaps. The other thing, and we, we can bring this back to Sunday here, 
I think part of the problem for him last year, and this isn't to totally excuse him, like I said, I mean, he just fell off. He looked gassed. He looked out of shape. But right. there was no – Christian Barmore is a good pass rusher, okay? But he's rushing from the interior, and it's a lot easier to deal with a guy on the edge and a guy next to him than guys on two separate edges, obviously, because you have to cover more ground when it's two pass right. rushers. The guy playing on the other side of Judon, whoever that pass rusher is, they don't have to be an all-world pass rusher. They don't. But they have to be good enough that teams can't just sell out to block Judon on that side. You, you, you The guy needs to give you enough to keep the, the, right. the other team honest. And yep. I don't think they Stay had that balanced. guy last year. Josh Uche now, is, he, had, he had 10 pressures in the first five games. Four in the last two, including three. Uh, he's got four sacks in the last two. If he can just play it, if he can maintain that, I don't even know if he needs to be at that level. But if he can play close to this level, I mean, it helps because you have another good pass rusher, but it's also going to monumentally help Matthew Judon because teams were basically sliding four guys that way. They were sliding from the right guard over to take out Barmore and Judon. It was four to block two, and the Patriots right. didn't have a counter on the, on the on the strong side. Because the you know what right tackle they were blocking it one on one, right now Josh Uche can't be blocked one on one, and if Josh Uche can't be blocked one on one, Matthew Judon can't be blocked one on one, and Christian Barmore can't be blocked one on one. Well, now you need six. Now you need six right. guys to block those three, and then that's either one less guy in the pattern, or the, you know it limits the plays you can call, or you're just going to be pressured all the time. That's what you, ideally you want as a pass rush. That's a little bit of an oversimplification, but. The numbers weren't there for them last year, and teams figured that out late in the year. If if Josh Uche can continue to play the way he's playing and they get Barmore back and he's healthy, and it seemed like he was trending that way before the bye, if they can get him back and he's healthy and you got Uche and Judon, that pass rush is scary. Right. That yeah. pass rush is really, really scary. Um, and so that's honestly, congratulations, Matt Judon. Three sacks, awesome game. I was more excited about the performance Josh Uche put together and, and what he's put together the last two weeks because he has a chance to put that defense in a really good spot. I agree, and it's like, f welcome. Welcome to the NFL, Josh Uche, because he's a guy yeah. who they drafted, what, three three years ago now? Um, he was a second-round pick, but a guy who he always had good camps. He always looked like he was going to turn into a stud, and it's like, oh, another another solid, you know, Belichick uh, second-round-ish draft pick, I guess, like, a, a guy who looked like he could uh, contribute early and he just hasn't been it yet. And over his first two years, it was just, or his first year and a half or whatever the case may be, but it was just himself and us kind of waiting for Josh Uche to turn it on as a pass rusher. Now with Judon here and Uche, you know, morphing into his own and getting older and not, he's not their number one. He's a compliment to Matthew Judon now and he's doing it like a like a stud right like you said three sacks six tackles uh three tackles for loss two qb hits um a, a great coming out party really for josh uche and like you said if they can continue to have him be a secondary compliment to matt judon that's gonna be it's gonna be scary for teams uh not just the colts but these two guys can compete against uh any offensive line in football if they play the way they yeah. did on sunday uh the other guy uh, I did a little fact checking. Was Justin Houston's also up there for sacks? He's uh he's got eight. Now. Okay, and he can play. He's a good player. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then the other uh, outside of Uche, I guess, and uh, Judon, the other just piece on the uh, the defense I kind of wanted to talk about, and it was only, I guess, it was one play, but it also morphs into special teams. Is just John Jones and the way John Jones has played lately. Yeah. Um, makes an awesome interception pick six turns on the wheels. That guy's so fast. He's outstanding. He can cover the fastest players in the NFL. Like, and a guy who was slept on early. He was a special teamer. He paid his dues. He did the right thing. Patriot through and through, you know, the old saying, the people, the things people hate now because yeah. everyone's down on Belichick and the Patriots, but the things that we've talked about that the, the Typical Patriot is John Jones, and he's completely just turned into a stud in the land of the NFL. Uh, I think that he deserves. He's he's a top corner in the one of the better corners in the AFC East, and it's a AFC East that's loaded with corners. So yeah. I'm a, a guy who's a stud and just has turned it on lately. 
Yeah, hand up moment for me. I mean, I was not for moving him to the boundary. I thought that they right. were kind of scrambling. I thought it, it looked desperate, and he's been excellent. He's been fantastic out there, and it's allowed them to to keep that rotation with him, Jalen Mills, and Jack Jones. I I know people don't want to hear it. Miles Bryant's actually been pretty good yeah. the last couple of weeks. He hasn't allowed multiple catches in a game the last three games. He hasn't allowed more than two catches in a game the last five. The last time he allowed more than two catches in the game was against the Packers, and he's still playing the same amount. So they they it does feel like the corners have all kind of come together, and they have that situation locked down. It, we really didn't know what it was going to look like, right, following the departure right. of J.C. Jackson. Uh, but they've got it figured out, and jo- Jonathan Jones being able to not only hold his own on the boundary but really dominate on the boundary yeah. is a big reason why. So he he deserves a ton of credit. I think you, I would go Judon, but I think you could make an argument. Jonathan Jones has been their most valuable player on defense this mm-hmm. year. I think if you emphasize the word valuable, there's a strong argument for it. So uh, credit to him. He's been, he's been fantastic. And yeah, like you said, another big game for him on Sunday, the pick yeah. six, the block punt, he's balling out. Yeah, I was going to, but do you want to segue into special teams or do you have any more on the defense before we get into specials? Um, just real quick on the defense. I, it, it's a yeah. point I've been making, but you can see how different they look when Kyle Duggar's on the field. It's night and day. Yeah. So. That's why when you talk about MVPs, I mean, he's a guy who comes to my head too. He's like the third guy there. I think I had called him my defensive MVP, uh, last Thursday, but <clears throat> the performance of, like you said, the performance of Jones and Judon kind of yeah. took that over on, on Sunday, but, uh, like, sorry, continue on Duggar, but no, that's, that's it. That's, that's the point. Yeah. Like, it's just, he really, I mean, he. He's a special kind of player. He's a really good yeah. player. Yeah, he's one of the better safeties in the league. He's, he's dominant. Um, but special teams, too. Um, they had an all-around game on Sunday against the Colts, which um, I had talked about it in, after the Jets game, that uh, they were better. But, well, I, I'm sorry, because I kind of want to caveat that with the fact that Jake Bailey uh, is not playing great. He's not punting yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, he's, it's, he's the only issue, though. I mean, besides yeah. him, they were outstanding. Right. Like I said, Jonathan Jones, Belichick talked about it after the game, uh, that the Ramondre Stevenson touchdown and the Jonathan Jones touchdown were sort of bonus points, and they really were. They were 14 extra points where they got the the offense got the ball at the three with Stevenson, with Stevenson's receiving touchdown, and then John Jones picked six. That's 14 points. 26 minus 14 is 12. 12. So the Patriots scored 12 offensive touchdowns. 12 offensive points, four field goals of Nick Folk, what that is. So, like, special teams, John Jones himself basically turning 14 points in for the Patriots was, I mean, just outstanding. And then you have Nick Folk, who goes four for four for four or five for five. I think he was four for four this week and five for five last week. So, yeah, um, just outstandingly, uh, outstandingly consistent. And uh, Marcus Jones was the other special teamer that I just – continue to think he has incredible, incredible value uh, and not as a fourth round pick, not even having to play defense, his kick and punt return abilities are like huge for this team right now. He, he leads the NFL in kickoff return yards and he's second in the NFL in, sorry, I'm reading this. I have a note second in yards per punt return with 13.4. So like giving them great field position, basically every time he touches the football, it's the only, the only bad thing here is, is Jake Bailey who is struggling to punt the ball, but good stuff on specials as well. Yeah, it, it's really coming together. And, and Matthew Slater, after the game, I talked to him about it. He called it personal. Yeah. Um, you know, after after the way they played against the Colts last year. So to see them come out, have that performance, like you said, it's all humming. Brendan Schooler looks like the real yeah. deal. He's been excellent. Uh, they yep. just got to get those punts figured out. One way or yeah. the other, they got to get those punts figured out. Because I think the offense can be better. Yeah. I don't know how much better. Field position is always going to be very important for this team. If field position is right. going to be massive down the stretch. So that, you know, they need Jake Bailey out there flipping the field. They're going to need him doing that, especially right. once you well, get into games against, you know, the bills, the Bengals, some of these more big shot offenses, they'll play the dolphins again. I think the dolphins, the last game of the year, right uh, there, uh, yep. or no second to last, the bills are last, but bills are last. Bills are they're, they're right. going to need Jake Bailey come around here at some point. Yeah, well, let's sort of uh, quickly, I mean, we'll we'll get into fully what they need to do on the bye and we'll do the self-scout. I said it three times now on Thursday, but um, a, an underrated piece to that is, I think, the special teams unit because they have been better the last two weeks, but there's been a few different plays in a few different situations where it's like, oh, okay, this this needs to be fixed. So 
for example, the the Demarcus Mitchell rolling into the end zone when Bailey actually had his best punt uh, of the season uh, against the Jets, and he just rolls into the end zone and it ends up being a touchback instead of down at the one. And then this week, Bailey just can't flip the field for them anymore. So it's like those two types of things are things that you're lucky you were playing against the Jets and the Colts because they didn't matter. But special teams freaking matters in this league, and if you can't get those two two things get those two things fixed, it can kind of bite you in the ass as a, as you come down the stretch. But uh, right, that's 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 what we got here on Pat's Colts. Um, any last any last thoughts really before we wrap this up? Kind of a quick show, but I mean it's a bye week, right? So yeah, um, all right, we could do a quick Boston Sports minute on uh, Xander Bogarts. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Like they're gonna they're gonna let him yeah. walk. Get ready for you it. Think? Talking about, you know, he's plan A and he's the preference and all of that. Then 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 treat it, then treat him like it, then pay him, then give him the contract he deserves. And th- that's not even getting to Raphael Devers, John Henry selling uh, Liverpool or Manchester United or whichever freaking yeah. thing he owns. Liverpool. <laughs> pay those guys. It's not that hard. If you pay Xander Bogarts and you pay Raphael Devers, you probably have the best infield in baseball. They're the Boston Red Sox. They can afford it. I cannot believe I I shouldn't say I can't believe because, of course, we are doing this freaking thing again where the Red Sox have some homegrown, spectacular talent, a guy beloved by this entire city, and they're going to let him walk out the door before the age of 30. They're not He's not going to get a second true contract from the team or a, a post-arbitration contract from yeah. the team. It's gross, man. It's it is. gross. It's disgusting. It's, they did it with Mookie. Mookie, like you said, homegrown guy. I mean, they did it. Second. It goes back to John Lester. They've been doing this for 10 yeah. years now. And the only the only saving grace here is that once they botch the Devers situation, there's no more homegrown stars to do it with. Tristan Cassis is eight years away from being yeah. in this situation. So we get some actual peace from them ripping our hearts out. But my goodness, the Xander Bogarts reports today, I know they're supposed to look optimistic, but I saw the same reports about Mookie. I saw the same reports uh, about Andrew Benintendi, Jackie Bradley Jr. Obviously aren't the same caliber player, but uh, I saw the same reports about Eduardo Rodriguez. I saw the same reports about John Lester. I I get they don't like signing guys past the age of 30. I get that. They want youth. One, it's baseball, all right? It's not football where guys are retiring by 32. Two, you can... You can have a couple guys over the age of 30. I'm not saying build your whole team out of them. Don't right. be the New York Yankees or the other extreme. But well, that's going to be hard to get through high on Bloom's skull. So. Xander Bogarts is the kind of guy culturally you keep. And then Raphael Devers is 25. God damn it. Mm. Raphael Devers is 25. Pay him. Pay him. That's, he that's is a one perennial of the... MVP candidate. That's my thing about being it's, – it's, first of all, it's it's hysterical how, how the – the energy in this show changes when we talk about the Patriots who we cover and are, you know, on their beat and in their locker rooms all every day. And it's like, you know, we, we tiptoe around things and we analyze the Patriots and we're calm and cool. But then once we get in our Boston sportsman, it's like, what the hell are these guys doing? And it's true, especially with teams like the Red Sox, because you do it with Mookie Betts and you see him go to LA and you see him win a world series. And it's like, Oh, maybe that was a mistake. And even if they do it with Bogarts, it's like, okay, I hear it kind of, not really, but he is older. But again, if it's like if they do it with Devers too, which I mean, we'll see what happens with Bogarts. But if they do it here with Devers too, I'm completely turning in my fan card because it just makes no sense. It's it's not what sports are about. Sports are about winning. Sports are about your your fans and your franchise and homegrown and watching these guys win and celebrate and all that stuff. And it's like, if that's not what they're about, then why do you even own the team? So. It's it's cute you think that Mike sports are professional sports at least are ultimately a business at the end of the day and uh, it's a harsh reality to accept it's I, I know but like but here's the thing letting we're we're beyond Bogarts at this point again there is a baseball argument to move on from Bogarts I don't think it's a good one right. but I understand it sure. moving on from Raphael Devers is a bad business decision from a business right. point of view if you are operating the Red Sox as a business. Letting that guy walk out the door after what you've put the fans through here for the last 10 years, even with two titles, by the way, with all these guys leaving in the let, if they don't win the title, they finish in last place. Right. It's a bad business decision because the Celtics are good. They've got budding young superstars. They are going to stay good. The Bruins are good. They've got young players, one who they've already paid and another that if they don't pay is a bad Mm -hmm. business decision. The Patriots will always be relevant. Football is king. 
People, if you don't give people a reason to tune in, they will tune you out. And the reason to tune into the Red Sox right now is Raphael Devers. Yep. It's a bad, it, forget forget the warm and fuzzies, which I, I wish that was more of a port, part of sports than it is. I don't mean to pick on you, Mike. But no, well, I, but no, I agree Trags with you. Had, but Trags like... hammered this home to me, so now you have to get it too. Uh, but <laughs> it is a bad business decision if they let Raphael Devers go. All right, but you talk about that, right? And you say it's not about the fans, but like you, you just you just correlated it perfectly. It's, you know, we think it's about us and it's not, but it is about winning because winning makes you money and right. winning puts butts in seats and butts in seats gives you more money. And so like it all, it all cut, it's like football. It's all teamwork in that regard. So when you let a 25 year old go, who's one of the best hitters in baseball, who can be here for the next 15 years, good for business. Bogart's older. You don't know how he's going to age. Again, you should sign him because he is one of the top shortstops in baseball. But the argument's there. If they do it with Devers, I'm done. See you later. Yeah. But agree. Uh, yeah, that's that's our that's our ranting section. That's our Boston Sports Minute here. Um, the Bruins Pooh Bear jerseys were awesome, but uh, those are great. Pe- those are great. Those are disaster. Big year for the throwbacks. Timing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess that's it. I guess that'll do it here on Patriots Beat. Uh, Quick hitter going through the offense and defense special teams. The Patriots again beat the Colts 26 to 3 on Sunday. Beat them so bad that they fired their head coach and brought in an ESPN analyst, Jeff Saturday. Um, we will be back on Thursday. We will do a uh, evaluation of the Patriots at a buy and more in depth self, self scout, if you will. Um, sort of maybe integrate how other teams can attack this team moving forward, but also, you know, go through some grades and, uh, It'll, it'll be good. We'll, we'll plan the whole yep. thing up for you. It'll, it'll be it'll be good stuff. So uh, tune in Thursday. Uh, until then, he's Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Follow him at RealAlexBarth on Twitter. Catch him on 98.5 TheSportsHub.com. Same with myself, Twitter at Mike Cadlick, and read my stuff on CLNSMedia.com. we got Patriots coverage there every single day. Uh, until Thursday, thank you all for watching.